electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. The real issue for the world is Russia, war, Ukraine, energy, trade, and that is serious. And that's still out there. Hopefully, it'll mitigate and go away, but it may not. So, you know, as a risk manager, you kind of prepare for some of that. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, talking inflation, recession, and the Fed with the rest of the world's leaders and our own squawk leaders. I actually think rates will probably go higher than 5%. Higher than 5%. That's my own view because I think there's a lot of underlying inflation which won't go away so quick. What keeps him up at night and what really doesn't? The way we run the company is to serve clients day in and day out through thick or thin. I know there are going to be recessions, up, downs, and downs. I really don't spend that much time worrying about it. But the bank CEO does stand firm on some things. We should never question the creditworthiness of the United States government. That is sacrosanct. It should never happen. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Squawk Pod reports from Davos. J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon begins right now. The World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland is jam-packed with the world's most influential thinkers and decision makers. Government officials from China, from Ukraine, civilian cultural leaders like philanthropic musicians and chefs, and of course, executives from the world's biggest companies. One such exec, JP Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon. Hello, hello. hello. Our first big interview of the morning, Jamie Dimon. There is a lot to discuss with Jamie, always, but especially now. Inflation, for one. The Federal Reserve raised its target interest rate range to its highest level in 15 years to combat high prices. In our latest data, the Consumer Price Index for December indicated a little slowdown in inflation. But it's not enough to convince the Fed to ease up on its aggressive policies. And those aggressive policies come with Wall Street fears of recession. Now, in May of last year, Jamie Dimon rattled markets when he said he saw storm clouds on the global economic horizon. Then, a week later, he revised his comments and said it was actually an economic hurricane that was headed for the U.S., that J.P. Morgan was bracing itself and everyone else should too. Flash forward to less than a week ago in 2023, JP Morgan reported a smashing financial quarter, and Diamond argued the U.S. economy currently remains strong. Despite backtracking a bit on his foreboding outlook from last year, Diamond said a mild recession late in 2023 is still his base case. This next interview was recorded on location in Davos. Jamie, this is TV, and it's it's going out, so the F word, probably not a good idea. Don't curse, you're on TV. JP Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon sat down with clean language, we swear, with CNBC Squawk Box anchors Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Nice to see you, sir. Happy to be here. So you want you want to help us understand what, what happened in your mind between then and now? Yeah. 
basically nothing. Okay, right. part of that storm clouds hit. Rates went higher than people thought. The you know with stock markets down twenty percent, the IPO market disappeared. And the economy, of course, we all talk about it. It's like the weather. We don't really know. And I hate guessing about that. We should be, have a little humility. I've never seen anyone actually do it well. But the, the real issue for the world is Russia, war, Ukraine, energy, trade. And that is serious. And that's still out there. Hopefully, it'll mitigate and go away, but it may not. So, you know, as a risk manager, you kind of prepare for some of that. But in terms of this question, we, we were literally debating just what happened yesterday in terms of how the markets are thinking about things compared to this morning, frankly. The markets have always been wrong, too. <laughs> For a while. I don't. I mean, I, I mean, listen, the way we run the company is to serve clients day in and day out through thick or thin. I know there are going to be recessions, up, downs, and downs. I really don't spend that much time worrying about it. I do worry about poor public policy that damages American growth. I worry about a lot of stuff, but not about whether, you know, what the weather's going to be like. And of course, you know, I don't want a recession because it hurts average Americans. I'm not for it, but I have to be prepared for it. But I think there's a lot of businesses here that are trying to figure out what to do, what their budgets are supposed to look like, whether they need to raise more capital. Yeah. They'd have to call you for that. Yeah. I mean, that's why. I mean, so what are you telling them? I think every business, any business, large or small, should prepare for a bunch of eventualities and then run the business to serve your clients. And, you know, not worry that much about tomorrow's profit margins or so are you building products and services and you can do a good job? And can you handle, you know, the input and output prices going way up or way right. down? Jimmy, a global conflict probably would be bad for J.P. Morgan and obviously for all of us. Yep. We're in Davos. I, it, it's almost like the Russia problem. People almost have it on a back burner like, oh, yeah. You know, dictators are going to do what dictators are going to do. But we, we still have how many nuclear weapons? Russia still has how many nuclear weapons? We don't know whether that, that's a possibility. I agree with you. I think and, and for every panel on climate change, there isn't a panel yeah. on the, a nuclear The Holocaust. only thing that matters for the future of the world is how this thing plays out. Russia, Ukraine, and, I, and the humanitarian crisis. I, when I wake up every day and I read the missiles going into buildings and killing kids every day, and it's nuclear blackmail. That this is the most serious issue. And in my view, it could be an inflection point for the Western world 400 years. Like, do we get our act together to to win, help win this war, help the Ukrainians, help rebuild Ukraine and then negotiate proper trade relationship with China? You know, manage. That's what I was gonna say. Do you look at this? That is as, the issue. That's not the other stuff is the weather. You just talked about China. Do you look at some people have talked about this as a dress rehearsal for whatever our relationship is with China in the future? You know, look, China, Americans have to understand that our GDP per person is 75,000. Theirs is 15. We have all the food, water, and energy we need. They import 11 million barrels a day. You know, they've lifted up their, their society, but it's nothing like ours in terms of prosperity, growth, innovation. I, I, and I, I want them to do well for their people. Right. I'm not against right. it. We have a competitive relationship. It does not need to be adversary. I think I'm very happy that we're talking to them now. And, you know, apparently you Secretary buy, they're, they say they're opening up. That's the message you hear everywhere they, in Davos. Is that a head fake? Is that real? And they have to. They have to they, for, they, for the long term? For, for themselves. You know, they, they need to grow their economy, to lift up right. their people, to, to, to compete in the world out there. So, and so the warm-up is, the, it's, it's a warm-up to the extent that the Western world we need to, we're not, trade's not going to go away, and this whole decoupling notion is crazy. What it's going to be is restructuring, so of two types. Anything that relates to national security, so semi, and it'll be different for every country, semiconductors, 
reliant, secure, safe, cheap right. energy, which is critical for everybody, and food. Uh, and then where we think there's unfair competition, you know, that should be negotiated. And, you know, yes, of course, America, we, right. we should have done this sooner, but we didn't. So it, I, even, I, even zero COVID, they, they didn't get rid of zero COVID yeah. because of the protests and because people were, were locked indoors. They did because right. GDP was half of what they, they wanted to be. They, they need to keep growing they economically. And a war right. yeah. is not going to help them grow. So I was talking to a CEO this morning, an American CEO, who had a meeting uh, with uh, the, uh, the, the deputy uh, uh, minister who was here from China, making the case to make it to, to, to come back to China yeah. and to make a significant investment. Yeah. So when when those type of American CEOs call you and say, give me your advice, because they're not sure, do I make that investment? That's it will be a long term investment. It only works if you're there for 10 years or more. Right. You have to be a believer or not. <clears throat> I think obviously it's a hard question. I think China is going to be a large, civilized nation for 50 or 100 years. So if you think long term, the answer is you probably should. If you think about politics, you know, the, all the geopolitics is be determined by the United States government. Right. And the United States government isn't asking the American companies not to go there. You know, the American government has to set policies and guidelines. And I think people may wait to see what happens with these trade relationships. That may be a perfectly rational thing. For those of us who are already there, we're still doing business there rationally right. under American law. You know, we're not, uh, I'm a patriot, I'm, I'll, do exa- I'll salute whatever the American government tells right. me to do. Uh, but you should be looking at both and being very thoughtful about it and, and, not, and not have a knee-jerk reaction to it. Jamie, would the debt ceiling be one, one of the things on your list that you worry about, that you give a lot of thought to? Or? We should never question the credit worthiness of the United States government. That is sacrosanct. It should never happen. And of course, you know, Democrats are going to blame well, the Republicans and the Republicans are blame the Democrats. I don't care who blames who. Even question is the wrong thing to do. That that is a just a, a part of the financial structure of the world, and you know this is not something you should be playing games with at all. There's a reason that we can sell our debt, and that's because, I mean, we're at 120 percent now, right. that yeah. to, but we can still do it because yeah. we're we're lucky yeah. and, and we're trusted. But that yeah. would that would Americans should Amer- America should understand that the American financial system right. is the, basically the crux of the financial system of the world. Talking and, about and so- we shouldn't. Right. Play with well, that's talking about selling right. our debt, though, the, the price at which we sell our debt, um, it becomes a big issue. Yeah. And I, 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 know you, I know you don't like to uh, mind read at least what the future of the economy is, right. but the other piece of it is mind reading what you think yeah. Jay Powell is going to do, because that has such a massive impact, not just on the U.S. economy, yeah. but everywhere so else. So can I just point out that everyone who forecasts this has been wrong, including the Fed, by the way. You're talking on the recession piece or what they should be doing about it? Because there's, there's, there's sort of two sides. curves, inflation. inflation, the whole thing. Like, so as a business person, be prepared for all of it. So I tell people, I would go to my board. We talk about if X happens, if Y happens. I give it probabilities. I actually think rates will probably go higher than 5%. Higher than 5%. That's my own view because I think there's a lot of underlying inflation which won't go away so quick. I think we've had the benefit of China slowing down, the benefit of oil prices dropping a little bit. I think oil and gas prices are probably going to go up the next 10 years. We're not investing enough in oil and gas to actually keep it low. And it's, you know, and it's also a fragile system. So like one terrorist bomb and you see, can, you can see what can happen to oil prices. And so I, I think we should be very, and wages aren't going to go down that much. People have left the workforce. Um, China isn't going to be deflationary anymore. There are all these other factors taking place. So I think it may have to be more than that. But again, 
If we have a mild recession, rates go to 6%, we're, we're all going to be fine. We might have a mild recession at 4% rates, though. We could. At 6%, it's we not could. going to be a mild recession. Yeah. And we look at all of that. So if you look at whatever you put on the yield curve, I could probably call up, make a phone call, and tell you what it would do to us and how we'd deal with it and stuff like that. So we, right. you know, we don't, we're not get, betting the company on guessing what interest rate is going to be. I personally think they're going to be higher. Okay, different question and, then, yeah. which is not necessarily about what, what you think about the company, but you have obviously a lot of uh, high net worth clients and the like who you tell or try to advise them about what to do with their money. Given what you think is happening, what are you telling them there? Well, that's a tough. I don't give what? financial advice for a lot of different reasons. Right. What is you the know, Diamond family doing right now? I, 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 well, I own a lot of J.P. Morgan, which I think is going to do quite well. <laughs> and more J.P. Morgan or more Bitcoin? Just, which is, the, is, it, <laughs> yeah. is it basically proportional? Is well, uh, what is Bitcoin? <laughs> uh, no, more, much more J.P. Morgan. Yeah, much yeah. more J.P. Morgan. When, when you talk about probabilities, you have probabilities for some of these long-tail events that you talk about, too, that you present to the board? Well, no, some of the really fat-tail ones, which are really bad, I don't put probabilities in that. I just yeah. say it's really small, yeah. but if it happens, what does it mean to us? Right. So we have to do that, too. We have to be able to survive anything. You know, with the Fed, we do that stress test, right. but we do 100 a week. There's certain like things we can't, there's certain things you yeah. can't survive. Right. You can't survive a, a nuclear event, I don't think. That's, that war would be a whole different issue, right. yeah. Uh, I've got a, as much a tinier one, uh, and you survived it easily, but not, not something I think you're, you're particularly happy or proud about, which is this, this issue about Frank. Yeah. Uh, this business you bought that clearly was now a fraud. Yeah. What was the lesson of that? Oh, always, listen, I'm not going to tell that particular thing. There are always lessons. We always will make mistakes. I tell our people, we make mistakes, it's okay. Uh, and when we know what the, all the lessons are, I'll tell you what they were. But I don't want our people to be afraid of making a mistake. I and mean, that's the bad way to run a business. It's a bad way to the run a business. Yes, you can, make, and, you can make a small mistake. That, was a, that, that you could argue was a small mistake. Yeah, that was you a can't small make mistake. big mistakes. And that's, well, we've made some pretty big mistakes sometimes. Can, do, you, you know? do you have an opinion on, on what is going on at Goldman? And if, if, oh, David, God, I, if David called you and said, Jamie... I mean, I've always admired you. Could you just give me a little bit of advice David on David and I are friends, and, and I know what they're, what they're going through, but I told David recently they did a pretty good job doing better than us in some investment banking this year. So my hat's off to him on that. And I don't really know the consumer side that well. We obviously see the same numbers you do. Um, he mentioned Bitcoin. You said you didn't know what we were talking about. Uh, we, we, we pretty much always have some crypto conversation with you. I'm just curious because I don't think we've I, talked to you since. I think all that's been a waste of time. And why you guys waste any breath on it is totally beyond me. Because you just think the whole thing just is, is going to zero going to zero and it's fake. It, it, Bitcoin itself is a, is a hyped up fraud. It's a pet rock. You're back to that. Yeah, really? Of course. Yeah. So what do you make then of, of BlackRock and other firms that are, are investing in infrastructure? No, that, and other... that, that's different. Blockchain is a is a technology ledger system right. that we use to move information. We've used it to do overnight repo, intraday right. repo. We've used it to we're going to use it. We've used it to move money. Right. So that is a ledger. That's a technology ledger type of thing that it, we think will be deployable. Bitcoin's remember, we've, based on remember, we've been talking about ledger, that for 12 right. years, too, and very little has been done. There's some so. tokens that, that I agree with you on, but, but Bitcoin's based on a distributed ledger. It has all the characteristics of, of a store of value. It's, I, it's immutable. It, it's scarce. Uh, it, totally untrue. It's, it's it, 21 million. Well, yeah, really. How do you know it's going to stop at 21 million? Because it's, I mentioned it's, this to people Satoshi, too. Everyone it's, says it's, that. Well, maybe it's going to get to 21 million, and Satoshi's picture is going to come up and laugh at you all. <laughs> and say, no, no. There, there, there isn't a picture. And by, and by then, Satoshi will take out billions of dollars. <laughs> what was your reaction to the failure of FTX and, and, and all of that? I, you, you know, you've seen you've seen lots of failures over the years of yeah. different things that have happened on Wall Street in the I, world of finance. I'm not surprised at all. 
And I, when, I called it a decentralized Ponzi scheme. The hype around this thing has been extraordinary. The underlying you asset. You have, but you have a lot of clients who are involved. Yeah. You, you guys, have, you've all seen the analysis on Tether and the analysis on all these things and the lack of disclosures. And it's outrageous. The regulators should have stopped this a long time ago. People have lost billions of dollars. You know, some are, uh, you know, if you look at it as lower income people, it's, it's some, in but some cases, Jamie, there's a difference between saying FTX is a, a decentralized Ponzi scheme and saying that crypto itself is a, is a Ponzi scheme. That's like, I mean, Madoff created crypto options. Crypto itself that doesn't do anything is a pet rock. You, you're happy to Bitcoin. Own, yeah, you can own it all you want. I, I, I defend, I'm just talking. I, I mean, it, there's a lot. It's, a, it's billions of guys, dollars. I don't care about Bitcoin, so we should drop the subject. All right. Well, let me ask you about something you do care about. What about the universal proxy situation? What does that mean? A lot of people aren't aware I, of it. I, you know, that universal proxy. I mean, there's a bigger issue, okay? And this is something I think regulators really should be very thoughtful about. We've gone. I, I think these numbers are right. 1996, 7,000 public companies. There's only like 4,500 today. Now, private equity, and I'm not against private equity, but it's gone from owning 1,000 companies to owning 10,000 companies. And we're driving companies out of public markets because of litigation, regulation, disclosures, compliance. Uh, and now you've got the universal proxy where someone can get under proxy uh, with you know, one right. vote that you own for one second, I'm told. You know? and, and do you want boards to be dominated by special interest groups? I think that is a huge mistake. And, you know, a lot of companies won't go public for this. And, you know, you could argue being private is a good thing. And I think the private markets aren't bad. There are good, good and bad things about it. But I think as a policy matter, this is another mistake that will drive companies uh, to the private markets. Do you markets. think about ESG a lot, Jamie, and, and, and stakeholders and, and all that? Does that eventually, is it increase from here or decrease from here? The, it's going to increase from here. And I, remember, I remember the first I ever heard about all this was when I came to Davos, like, I don't know, five or seven years ago. No one was talking about the United States. And now it's everywhere. I think climate is a serious issue that should be taken seriously. OK, and we're not and by, we're not doing a good job at it. And it's not, you know, the, the, our banks, financial oil and gas companies. We need oil and gas. For how long? Cheap. Well, 50 for, years. For 50 years. And, you know, it's 100 million barrels a day that are used by the world to heat, fuel, true, feed people. True climate zealots want to end but, it now. But, but the they want to end it now, Jamie. They, get it, to get it you right. can't get the two yeah, to, to, get, to get, right. come together. Then, then you'll have a, a, a calamity, a global depression. What you need is transitions. And the big oil guys, are the, also, they're the ones doing the most investing in the future, renewables, clean methane, getting, and that's dramatically reducing CO2. So CO2 is down dramatically in the United States, but China's three times us. Right. So if you don't have global deals, it's not going to work. Right. The, all the politicians here say, well, no, the most effective thing to do would be, would be a carbon tax, but we can't do that. Really? So we're saying how important this is that you all want to fix climate, but you don't want to have a carbon tax. That's great. So maybe we should acknowledge we need permitting. Like I was just speaking to a uh, oil CEO that, you know, it takes 10 years in the North Sea to, to build the turbines, 10 years. You know what that does to the cost of capital? If you want to build something in the United States, it's, not the, it's just not the years. It's also the, uh, the litigation. Right. You can't get things done. So we are creating a huge problem. Higher oil and gas prices, more coal use. We, we can't get our grids fixed. We need the electrical grids fixed. You, we can't get would, hydropower into Massachusetts right. because they won't approve it. So, to me, we need really. We, we got to plug real, our EVs into something. We need a plan, a real plan that's really thoughtful. Would you, fi- would you finance nuclear power in the United States? Do you think that's ever yes, a, a realistic yeah. thing? We were talking about Oliver Stone I, I earlier, who's got his film out here. I don't know if it'll ever happen in the United States. If it did, would we finance it? Yes, we would. And you think it won't happen in the United States because? 
I think it's going to be very hard in the United States. It's the, it's the permitting. It'll be the yeah, litigation. You might not be around uh, when it's finally yeah. built. If it starts today, it yeah, starts how long? Today. It's probably twenty years, isn't it? To, to, from start to finish to get a well, plant. Well, no. If you if you actually you started today, you, you could actually get it done today, pretty quickly. No, Five years for the permitting. Right. Pro- how long does the permitting take for? Well, a that, that's why that, you'll never. That's why it'll never happen. So we're looking at five hundred dollar. I'm not going to worry. Goldman's going to be right with its three hundred dollar barrel oil from a couple of years. Remember that? It's, They're going to be right. Have, I think you have a good chance oil prices will go up. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, you you were one of the original back to work folks. Yeah. It seems like people are finally actually getting back to work. What do you think? Yeah, what are you hearing? Yeah, yeah we, we have a little bit of both. We have a lot of people back at work fully, and some work in hybrid. And some jobs, it's okay. But, you know, it better be okay for the company, the clients, not just the individual. And, you know, we, all, we shouldn't be, uh, you know, feeding the squeaky wheel here. It's got to work for the company, the clients. There's certain jobs that's very solitary. So if you're going to go write your book, yep. you know, you can go work at home. But there are certain jobs which are not. You know, you got to salespeople be out here. You know, Always writing amazing, the book, right? It's amazing how much you learn when you get in the road. Like, I'm even learning in Davos, believe it or not. I learned at dinner last night. You're not night. promoting anyone who stays home. I can tell from you. They're, they, they, we're, they, huh? we're going back to work. <laughs> oh, I wouldn't want to work there and not, not be at work. I mean, you just told them, right? I, listen, it doesn't work for young kids. It doesn't work for spontaneity. It doesn't really work for management. It does work for, you know, if you are writing something or research or technologist where you have to come in and do the post-it notes and collaborate, and then you have to go code. So the coding, you go to a library, you can go do home. So there are jobs where it's perfectly reasonable. And I think there are jo- there, it's perfectly reasonable to help women, for example. You know, COVID taught us the burden on women. You know, could they take the primary care for primary care, for uh, parent care, et cetera, is enormous. So if you can modify your company to help women stay home a little bit, well, that's fine, too. Like, just be thoughtful about it. Take a deep breath. It'll all sort out. It's all going to be fine. But we're going back to work. Jamie Diamond, thank you, sir. Thank you. Great to see you. Always fun to see you. Appreciate it. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Thank you for listening to this special Squawk Pod Reports, where we're compiling the highlights from our team's time at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. And we're not done yet. Check your feed for another very special episode later today. Wherever we are, Squawk Box is hosted on CNBC by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Have a great day, and we'll catch you later. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. 
like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.